It was meant to be a late summer night of adventure for five friends, united by their thirst for excitement and exploration. But what began as a carefree caving excursion in the early hours of August 18, 2005, on Utah's Y Mountain, would end in unfathomable tragedy. Welcome to Disasterthon. I'm your host, Johnny Lama. In each episode, we spelunk into chilling events, testing the extremes of courage, endurance, and the primal will to survive. Today, we descend into Gollum's Cave, the treacherous Utah cavern that lured four friends into its flooded corridors. Their late night quest for euphoric heights instead led to their drowning tombs. The group of friends, Ariel Singer, Jennifer Lynn Galbraith, Scott McDonald, Blake Donner, and Joseph Ferguson met for coffee at a local cafe earlier that evening. As they lingered over conversation, 21-year-old Jennifer Galbraith, a student at Utah Valley State College, regaled her companions with a daring tale. Jennifer described squeezing through a narrow opening in the rock face of a hidden grotto named Gollum's Cave. While exploring inside, she recalled finding a rope tied from end to end of a lightless passage filled with frigid water. The only way forward was to take a breath and swim 15 feet through complete darkness, hoping to emerge gasping for air in a small cavern on the other side. On her first attempt, the icy water had shocked Jennifer's system. Delirious and hypothermic, she barely made it back to daylight with her life. But instead of deterrence, her near-death encounter stirred an intoxicating euphoria in Jennifer. She spoke of the incredible high that came from cheating fate's grasp in those flooded corridors. Her adrenaline still raced, reliving that moment of resurfacing, lungs screaming, heart hammering in her chest. Her friends sat engrossed, hanging on every word. And as their laughter and banter echoed late into the night, somewhere along the way, a daring pact was made. They would return to those shadowy depths Jennifer dubbed the Cave of Death, chasing the thrill she had felt when she peered into the abyss and made it back to tell the tale. In the pitch dark of early morning, led by Jennifer Galbraith, the five friends picked their way up the rugged mountain trail skirting Provo. Heavy flashlights bobbed in the darkness. By 3 a.m., sweating and short of breath, they reached the hidden grotto's entrance, a crevice in the rock face obscured by hanging vines. Squeezing and shimmying through the tight opening, they dropped one by one into the sunken cavern, the air heavy with expectation. Joseph Ferguson stayed above to keep watch. 
But Ariel, Jennifer, Blake, and Scott plunged into the inky pool, submerging themselves fully into that liquid void, each clinging hopefully to the taut rope leading them through the darkness to the coveted chamber beyond. One way leads to a pool of water, which is two feet in diameter, says Israel Niederhauser, a cave diving enthusiast. If you submerge yourself into the pool, there is an underwater passage about three to four feet high and 15 feet long that leads to another room about eight feet in diameter, which is where you emerge. Like Jennifer Galbraith had described to her friends hours earlier, their payoff for risking it all was a cramped and elevated chamber, barely big enough for a few people to stand. Exhilaration or terror, wonder or panic, life or death all separated by a few feet of murky passage that had to be navigated sightlessly without air. The four had crossed the underwater passage and emerged within the void, only to be greeted with a small amount of breathable oxygen. A phenomenon known as bad air occurs when oxygen levels drop or carbon dioxide rises to poisonous levels in confined underground spaces. Cave divers or miners can lose consciousness in seconds, dying before realizing the mortal danger. At just 10% oxygen saturation, human life cannot be sustained. In those fatal chambers, the four thrill-seekers inhaled a deadly mix their bodies were helpless against, and dangerous hypercapnia, a buildup of carbon dioxide, likely set in within moments. But facing bad air wasn't the group's only barrier to escape. Hypothermia rapidly set in from the 50-degree water leaching away body heat, a disorienting blackness smothering their flooded prison rising panic and terror as their breath ran out, all amplified by crushing claustrophobia from the rock walls enclosing them. Expert analysis confirms that stretched endurance, exhausted lungs, numb limbs, impaired cognition, darkness, confusion, and fear formed a merciless accumulation of factors that virtually guaranteed a tragic outcome once bad air incapacitated the group. Recognizing the oxygen shortage, the group immediately turned back towards the entrance hole, but due to the limited size of the water passage, only one person could traverse it at a time. Jennifer went first, followed by Ariel. Ariel swam 15 feet towards safety, her flashlight illuminating the cave's contours, only to be met with a horrifying sight. Jennifer Galbraith's lifeless body hung suspended in the water directly below the only exit, the very spot Ariel needed to breach to gasp again for air. In terrible clarity, Ariel grasped the nightmare she now faced. Jennifer, for unknown reasons, had drowned just inches from air 
and daylight. Ariel's lungs already screamed for oxygen. Precious seconds were ticking away. To survive, she first had to heave Jennifer's floating corpse from the exit route without a fresh breath in total darkness. Every advantage played against her bid to escape. The icy water sapping her strength, her hands slick on Jennifer's lifeless limbs, Ariel's frenzied kicks only causing sediment plumes to further cloud the water. And the cruelest factor of all, Jennifer's buoyant body kept rising in the cramped cave, no matter how fiercely Ariel struggled to push her away. Foot by foot, inch by inch, lungs ablaze. Ariel wrestled the body unsuccessfully towards breakthrough until the last dot of light winked out for her. And Ariel Singer's unconscious, drowned body joined Jennifer Galbraith's in that black water tomb they called the Cave of Death. One by one, Blake Donner and Scott McDonald would succumb to the same flooded darkness. Joseph Ferguson, helplessly waiting above ground, got no tug of the rope signaling safe return. In the pale light of dawn, he raced for help, but it was too late. All four students who descended into the cave were dead. Their woefully short lives are bonded together here. Hundreds of feet under the mountain they climbed, seeking elevated experience instead of entombing doom. Bad luck, blurred judgment, simple twists of fate. Jennifer Galbraith's mother later told reporters she takes slight comfort knowing that in those terrified final heartbeats, her daughter didn't die alone in the dark. She was surrounded by friends who shared the quest for meaning that marked generational rites of passage. But their bright futures were ultimately extinguished by distorted air, frigid water, and crushing pressure deep in a mountain cavern that leaves much unknown about its tragedy, except the grief of those left behind still mourning their loss nearly two decades later. For those left behind, there are still endless questions alongside the pain. We wonder, but can never truly know those flooding thoughts, the clawing desperation, as life ebbs away inch by inch, no matter how hard the will screams otherwise. This has been Disasterthon. I'm Johnny Lama. Join me next time as we edge into the ruthlessness of events that take away life's most precious gift. Until then, safe passage to you all. Thank you.